It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. Let's begin a Friday. Woo! Gary, how's it going? I'm, I'm doing good now. Yeah? Really, I think this may be the first time ever that I came in here and, you know, like you, I have reading glasses everywhere. Right. And yesterday I came in and realized I forgot to bring my reading glasses in. But yes, of course, I have an extra pair here. Mm-hmm. So I took that extra pair and I took them home and I showed up today with no reading glasses. Thank goodness you had an extra pair. I do. I have two extra pair actually and, on me right now. And and thank you so much because it was, I mean, it was uh, about 20 minutes ago when that realization hit. It was not a pleasant time, and I had no time to go back home or no time to go anywhere in order to get reading glasses. And it's like you walked in and said, do you have, right, so I, have I don't have reading glasses. You said, I do. And they're almost my same power, so. Yeah. Actually, they're a little um, bit more powerful, so I can read everything very clearly. Uh, after uh, my parents uh, catapulted me off of uh, Krypton, uh, when I got to Earth as a baby, my eyesight was different, and immediately I needed reading glasses. It was weird as a baby going into, you know, Walgreens, getting imagine. reading glasses. Uh, but then when you learn to fly, you get to Walgreens much quicker and uh, and so that happened. Uh, I always have at least two pair on me, and there's also a pair in my car. So I've become that guy, where, where I've got two pair. This actually happened recently. I had you know you hang them off your shirt. Yep. That's by the way. If you want to, if you want to walk through a store or an establishment or anywhere in public, and basically tell people you don't care what they think of your age, that's the way to do it. Hang those readers right off of your T-shirt. I do it all the time. Through. I do yeah. it all the time. I, all I love time. it. Um, and you kids get out of my yard. Well, that's the thing. I I did. Uh, I had. Uh, I had a a pair in each car. Mm-hmm. I have two, normally two, in my Merce. I mean, my European handbag. Mm-hmm. You know, Merce sounds more masculine. In Merce, okay. Yeah, European handbag. European handbag. Mm. Well, that comes directly from Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> exactly. It depends on what your goals are. Uh, so I have two there, one in each car. Mm-hmm. Then normally I have my bifocal sunglasses because it's much easier during the summertime to have uh, the bifocal sunglasses. That way you don't have to keep switching pairs. So I normally have one pair. So I normally have (laughs) two in each vehicle, two in my bag, one here, and I take one and put it in my pocket when I leave home. And it's still, I had all that redundancy and still forgot it. Yeah. Is it old age? It is. Yeah. By the way, 
I didn't tell you this. What? But when I came in, you said I forgot my reading glasses. You were actually wearing your reading glasses at the time. (laughs) 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 Yeah, who made the joke the other day? (laughs) I was driving around for an hour the other day looking for my car keys. Uh, Yeah. I um I I, uh, I I've done that where I can't find my my reading glasses and they're on my head. Yeah, it's happened to me before. Yeah. yeah, so we got a great show ahead. We do. I mean, it was it there. So much happened yesterday, and I'm telling you, with the Republicans uh, in charge of the House, mm-hmm. there's so many hearings going on. You can't keep track of them all. I'm not kidding. No, it's impossible to keep track of them. I, that hit me yesterday around uh, well mid afternoon, and I was like, wait a minute, hold on just a second. You know, uh, which what, which hearing is this? <laughs> I have to look at the accused. I'm sorry. I have to look at the people that are testifying to know which hearing it is. <laughs> well, it was really interesting yesterday. I mean, uh, Matt Taibbi and uh, uh, Michael Schellenberger yeah. were uh, in front of uh, Jim Jordan. And the members of uh, of of Congress, and I'm telling you, uh, the, I got there's so much we can't get through all the audio just in that one alone. Yeah, just right. in that hearing alone, there was uh, so much audio. I will say this: the Democrats don't care about what happened to Twitter. No, no, they don't. They don't. They don't. They, they do not care. I want to let me, let me play this audio cut because this was one of the interesting things when. Uh, the Democrats were attempting to get Matt Taibbi to give up one of his sources. This was this was fascinating. Mm. Here we go. All right. Mr. Taibbi, um, I want to follow up a little bit on the ranking members' questions. Um, when was the first time that Mr. Musk approached you about writing uh, uh, the Twitter files? Again, Congresswoman, that would... Uh, I just need a date, sir. But I can't give it to you, unfortunately, because this this is a question of sourcing, and I don't give up. I'm a journalist. A, I don't reveal my source. It's a question of chronology. No, that's a question because of sourcing. Because you earlier said that, that someone had sent you through the Internet some message about whether or not you would be interested in some information. Yes, and I refer to that person as a source. So you're not going to tell us when Musk first approached you? Again, Congressman, when you're asking me to, re- yes you're no. asking a journalist to reveal so a source. So then you consider Mr. Musk to be the direct source of all this? No, now you're you're trying to get me to say that he is the source. I, 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 well, I just can't answer your question. Well, it either is or he isn't. If you're telling me you can't answer because it's your source, well, then that the only logical conclusion is that he is, in fact, your source. Well, you're free to conclude that. Well, sir, I just don't understand. You can't have it both ways, but let's move on. Cause well, no, he can. He's a journalist. No, he can't because either Musk is the source and he can't talk about it, or Musk is not the source. And if Musk is not the source, then he can discuss No one has yielded. The gentlelady is out of order. You don't get and to speak. And she's out of order because he's interrupted. The gentlelady is not recognized. You're not recognized. He's not said that. But he has said is he's not going to reveal his source. And the fact that Democrats are pressuring him to do so is such a We're asking him about his time. The gentlelady has not yielded you time. You don't get I have to not yielded time her. to anybody. I want to reclaim my time, and I would ask that you... There you go. Mm-hmm. And Jordan had to, you know, because they were... they The Democrats are trying to portray 
Taibbi and Schellenberger as right-wing Trump supporters. Yeah, right. I mean, it's amazing to watch it. Yeah. And, and George said, you know, stop this. Who did you vote for? Biden. Mm-hmm. Who did you vote for? Biden. Mm-hmm. Did either of you vote for Trump? No. Right. You know, it's like, are you Democrats? Yes. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was just, and I mean, they, and they can't get, this is the problem. They can't get over themselves. They really did. You and I said this, uh, that a couple of things, you know, back in the Obama years, they thought they had won the White House forever. Um, they certainly believed that they had won the conversation with the advent of social media, but really where social media went, I, I would say in the last decade, um, and then kind of it, it accelerated over the last several years, uh, in, in that anything that was, uh, conservative or, or even questioned anything liberal, any post or, or idea or story that was liberal was considered to be, uh, uh, propaganda, far right wing, misinformation, all of it. It would get you canceled. The, the left, is angry that they lost that ability, but they're angrier, and you can you could hear it. Reveal your sources. These are journalists. You can't oh, do that. And you know what they did? They called him. They said, "No, you're a so-called journalist." It was. I mean, it was just. I. Uh, it was. Well, then, then let's uh, call some people from the <laughs> New York Times and other sources, and let's talk about their sources on the whole Russian hoax thing and a million other fronts. We can do this all day, but they're angry, and you can hear it. Yeah, I and, mean, and and they don't care about they don't care about freedom of the press. They don't. No, they don't. They don't. It, like I said, it was amazing where they were going yesterday. I mean, I was I was fascinated by it because this is this is a case where the public has already made their mind up. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen the polls. The polling shows overwhelmingly that uh, the People in in the United States, the voters believe, the citizens believe that uh, you know uh, Twitter has been you know biased, mm-hmm. biased to the left, mm-hmm. and that there has been government pressure on them to do so, mm-hmm. and and so they're just you know trying to paint, and you know they they both said all the journalists, everybody in the mainstream media has abandoned them. Yeah, it's like there is no support in talking about the FTC wanting their yeah. names, right? You know why he goes and 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 we haven't even got into this really. Uh, there's been so much to cover this week, but uh, they said you know scares the daylights out of them. You know, as journalist said, the FTC has no business asking a private company, you know, uh, you know what journalists they're talking to. Yeah, said, they have no business. The government has no business. Goes that that was you know they. That that's that's attempting to intimidate us and to to back us off. And, you know, it's something that Republicans have gone you know crazy about. You have no right. There's been no, no. laws broken here. No, the FTC has no business. Right. Asking a private company. What journalist are you talking to? Right. No, you know, if if you if you can find law breaking and wish to send the FBI on Twitter, 
uh, you know, on Twitter, then go ahead and lay out the charges. Yep. But this has got nothing to do with the, F, the Federal Trade Commission? The hell are you talking about? It's got nothing to do with this. Nope. But this and, is this is the MO of the left these days. We'll weaponize any and every agency to come after you. Yep. I mean, when you actually see what Democrats, how they think, and and you see it in person and how blunt they are, it's pretty frightening. It really, really is. There's nothing, not, not even Trump compares to the Democratic Party of today. You can't even make that comparison. The things that they wish to do to censor, to intimidate, is mind-boggling, really well, is, and, when, and these are liberal reporters. Remember when Trump was calling the uh, the uh, members of the media the enemy, and yeah. and they were while attacking the media. He doesn't believe in freedom of the press. <laughs> All of that is gone, gone, gone completely. Yeah, because I wouldn't have held it up. On that, uh, if I were being questioned that way, I would have, my first response as they press, pressured me to issue uh, uh, my sources, reveal my sources, the first thing out of my mouth would be, are you dense? Do you know what freedom of the press is? Go to hell. You work for me. As I told you, I I would uh, you and I both would have a problem ever testifying before Congress. And the, another thing that they they did uh, uh, was they would they would ask them questions, and you didn't know where they were going, and then they'd make an accusation and wouldn't let them answer. Right. That seemed to be one of the uh, preferred ways of questioning mm-hmm. Taibbi and yeah. and and Schellenberger. Right. And the whole thing is to make it suspicious that they're actually right wingers mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. that that are that are uh, defending Trump. Right. It's really amazing to watch this because, and what they're doing is they're playing on the ignorance of the public that may not know who Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger are. Right. 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 But if you because pay, most people probably don't don't no. But if you know about them, you know that they are. Democrats and have been Democrats, and and there are de- there are Democrats, uh, and there are there are Democrats that are journalists that have looked to where the political activism that has gone on today, and as we talk about it, they're poli- the the reporters are political activists. That's mm-hmm. why yeah. you know even when they when the Mueller report ended, and you have Republicans saying, "Well, now the media knows that they have to get back," and it's like, guys, shut up. Yeah. We said this to Republicans. Right. They're, they're not journalists. They're no. political activists. Yeah. And so the remaining Democrats that are still journalists looking for the truth and the ones that hate censorship and honor freedom of speech, even if they disagree with how much money we should spend on welfare, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. they still believe in the First Amendment. Right. They are now the enemy. Right. Anyone who believes in the First Amendment, anybody who believes it's wrong for government to be involved in censoring, you're the enemy of the Democratic Party. Yep. Understand that. Right. And they, as Jordan said to him, they said, yep, 
We said this earlier. They're going to come after you, yep. and now they're coming after you yep. to destroy your life because you believe in the First Amendment. Right. It was really fascinating to watch that yesterday. Well, and 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 uh, if you're in the liberal media, and you you're thinking about writing even a a true piece of journalism that questions anything on the left, expect they'll come after you this way too. Yep. Eight six six ninety red eye. It's not always easy to spring back from the harsh days of winter to warmer months ahead. From de-icing chemicals to hidden debris underneath snow and ice, winter conditions can do serious damage to your truck. Here's a must-do maintenance check to help you minimize downtime and stay rolling. Make sure your fluids are at proper levels ahead of spring. Fluid is to trucks what blood is to the human body. Low fluid can be just as harmful as no fluid, and the damage this will cause to your truck is unavoidable. Pay attention to your engine oil, coolant levels, power steering fluid, transmission fluid, brake fluid, and differential fluid. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80. The world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Here's more 
from the hearing yesterday with uh, Matt Taibbi and uh, Michael Schellenberger. Hmm. Um, but the, the truth is we want to focus on protecting the First Amendment. Mr. Schellenberger, are you a Republican? No, I'm not. Do you got a, you got any you know pro Trump bumper stickers on your car? I voted for Biden. Voted for Biden. You don't know, have any MAGA hats laying around your house, right? I do not. Yeah, but you said earlier, both you and Mr. Taibbi said this is the most chilling thing you've ever seen as journalists. Mr. Taibbi, the same thing. You're not a Republican either, right? No, no. I'm not. You didn't vote for. I mean, like. This is about protecting the First Amendment. Mr. Taibbi, I want to read from your uh, Twitter file number nine. You say this. After weeks of Twitter files, the Bureau issued a statement Wednesday referring to the FBI. Here's what the FBI said. It is unfortunate that conspiracy theorists and others are feeding the American public misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency. You then follow up. This is why I think you're an award-winning author. You then follow up. They must think we're unambitious. If our sole aim is to discredit the FBI, after all, a whole range of government agencies discredit themselves in the Twitter files. And then you go on to, in this particular Twitter file, to talk about what Mr. Bishop was just talking about, the GEC at the State Department. You talk about the CIA. You talk about the DOD. You talk about the FBI. You talk about the DHS. You talk about the Foreign Intelligence Task Force, which is a combination of all these. But there was one agency you didn't mention. Because you didn't know at the time. One agency, one, you had almost the whole alphabet, but you didn't mention one agency, the FTC. And there you go. That is now coming, wants to come after them. Right, right. Weaponizing Just, it at every agency. What's well, interesting, this is all about weapon, they're weaponizing the federal government, and in the process of doing it, they're weaponizing the federal government. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, good <laughs> the point. Democrats, yeah. The Bonus Show. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE, uh, if uh, you would like to uh, get in. Uh, this isn't going to, I mean, people talked about it yesterday, but it's not really going to go any uh, much uh, farther. The mm. president had his 2024 budget proposal uh, released. Uh, uh, Thursday, and here's what they're right. The press is reporting that President Biden's 2024 budget proposal released Thursday would cut the deficit by $3 trillion over 10 years. Way to bury the lead. <laughs> the, the plan raises taxes by nearly $4.7 trillion and would increase revenue and spending to unprecedented plateaus as a share of the economy. Uh, the president's 6.89, wow. $6.89 trillion proposal is a political document that sets up his re-election campaign. Its spending and tax proposals were rejected in the last Congress under Democratic majorities and have no chance of passing with a, a GOP House. But the budget shows where Mr. Biden wants to take the country uh, if he wins a second term. Bernie Sanders uh, would be uh, pleased. What did they say that by... In 10 years, we'd be over $50 trillion with this uh, proposed uh, uh, budget from the uh, from the uh, the president. But it's not going to go anywhere. No, no, and, no. And there's been a lot of talk, you know, that, well, they, you know, uh, increased defense spending to record levels. Well, that happens every, that happens every single budget. Yeah. For the most part. Right, right. It's not, the defense uh, budget isn't going up 
uh, as rapidly as it used to, and it's consistently has a smaller share of the federal government, but increasing to 3.2% is actually a cut with inflation. Yeah, right. So understand yeah. that inflation has affected, you know, so much of it here. And I think the, uh, was it the uh, Center for Responsible Budget uh, put out uh, their um, uh, their analysis uh, on it, and it and they they talked about how it would. Uh, oh, I had it here somewhere, mm. but uh, they they uh, talked about how it would take us to just record levels of actual debt. And understand that when they do this, everything is done in the most positive light. Everything, yeah, everything, right. everything yeah. is figured with best the, case scenario. Right, the best case scenario, and we know it's never that case. What I liked was uh, uh, <laughs> Democrat uh, Rokana of uh, California. Spending during COVID is a factor in record inflation, but we needed spending in part to get out of the recession. What recession? As far as I know, there there wasn't a recession. Apparently, one Democrat's admitting that there was. Oh, hmm. okay. So, so first thing I'm thinking of, I'm just thinking of all, I'm thinking of my buddy Richard who wrote me the other day, you know, mm-hmm. he was just, you know, talking about inflation and, and I'm thinking Democrats love, you know, manipulating the, uh, you know, uh, manipulating as the Fed has done over the last, uh, you know, what, 12 years, 13 years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, manipulating the the dollar by buying our own debt and keeping interest rates super low mm-hmm. so they could borrow trillions of extra dollars mm-hmm. and have interest rate interest on that extremely uh uh low and so they're like well we like that fed policy which now is not going to continue because you can't continue stuff uh like that and now they want to now they want to manipulate the economy based on government spending yeah let's do it from both ends so, so we're gonna we're gonna sit there, and I, I I can see I can see a Democrat coming out and being just like Paul. Well, what we're trying to do is we're trying to keep <laughs> we're 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 trying to keep inflation below that two percent mark. So manip- manipulation of the dollar is okay, and printing money to buy our own debt to keep the interest rates. Uh, low is a positive thing for the economy because then we can borrow more money and through the in- increased GDP because the GDP, as we revised it uh, a few years back, now counts for more transfer of dollars, the movement of money instead of actually the production of goods and and, uh, and services. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can make sure that uh, we always keep that GDP a little higher uh, than, well, then it actually is right. because we're not actually talking about the gross domestic product, which would mean the increase in the product. We're actually talking about the movement of dollars and their effects. So there's a lot of hypotheticals even in the GDP. Mm-hmm. And and so, but I just, I, I and, and so now they're saying, well, let's be like the Fed. Sp- you know, we need to spend now to keep us out of a recession and then we get an inflation, and we need to spend more because we need to help the people. Mm-hmm. And if we keep spending more, we'll have inflation, but we don't have a recession. And it's government's role to balance this yeah, through spending and the Fed manipulation of the dollar. Yeah, you got it. Oh, yeah. That, that, that sounds right. Oh, it sounds perfectly reasonable.
<laughs> well, here here's a list of things that you can get away with when the majority of people can't name the three branches of government. Oh, I'm sorry. We only do a five-hour show. We won't be able to get even to a fraction of that list. <laughs> we apologize to all of our affiliates. We'll uh, we'll we'll <laughs> we'll have the uh, red eye files, and we'll post the list on the internet. It will still take you years to get through the list of things they can get away with. When the majority of people can't name the three branches of government. We'll come after you. How dare you get involved in the Twitter files. Makes you wonder what we haven't learned yet from the Twitter files that they're so afraid of. Yeah, I mean, it's it it was it's it's a it's a fascinating day because uh yesterday and and this week in general and the last couple of weeks because the democrats just didn't bring any of this stuff up in congress right right and so now you're seeing how they're defending themselves in a in a variety of a variety of different issues and it's fascinating and at the same time terrifying yeah. to see where their mindset is in government and what they believe their role is and how they will attempt to destroy how they'll attempt to destroy now democrats who believe in journalism yeah we're no, not that's we're, what that's the threat if if you believe if you're in the liberal media and and, and quite frankly who was it that said the other day? Uh, the New York Times isn't a liberal publication. <laughs> was it was on MSNBC? Yeah, it? yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Chris Hayes. Yeah, Chris Hayes. Chris Hayes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a yeah. liberal. And it, and it, you and I looked at each other and went, "Well, compared to where the Democratic Party is, as yeah. far left as they are, which is isn't it amazing." Mm-hmm. I, I just, I just, this is thought. I'm. Sorry, it's a Friday, so we're just going to be bouncing all over the place. But it is, is it's still the same topic. Isn't it amazing that the Democrats who called Trump a fascist? Mm-hmm. Look, there's criticisms I have of Trump all over the place. Mm-hmm. And one of them is for, for not understanding the basics of politics, uh, that he should have had a landslide election because he can't communicate for whatever reason, and I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. I can't get inside a person's mind, but he should have had a landslide in the last presidency, but he can't shut up. Well, he can't. Well, the he, one thing he couldn't do is talk. The first thing he needed to do was talk about his own accomplishments. Well, right. Well, I mean, yeah. but, but he, when I say doesn't shut up, he, he, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't talk about the right things. Mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal said it. You and I have mm-hmm. talked about it before yeah. because we were saying it. Just stick to the five or six issues. Don't go down every stinking rabbit I, hole. I think they had a list of, I want to say they had a list of 12 things. And and really, we've always narrowed it down to that handful of things, five or six items that really connect with, with people. Yep. That where you win on the issues with the American people. Where the American people stand with you. And But, they, but here's the thing. 
it, it's only a matter of time before the New York Times is, well, they've gone far right wing. <laughs> well, no, it, you, it will no only, that's a great point, though. It will that's a only solid. take one story. They're not the New York Times. They're, they're the New right. York Post. Oh, speaking about the election, Washington Post saying that uh, sources say DeSantis is running. Yeah, just to throw yeah. that out there, I just yeah. it, it keeps coming up as a uh, as, as breaking well, news, and it's like we're into so much, and it's like there's, there's, we've, we've we've known he was running anyway, but yeah, but it's uh, w- w- one thing that I've been watching is the stories over the last uh, month or so about mega donors and how, uh, according to those reports, they're really piling up the cash to put it in his corner. You're you need. I don't know what the number is. Up until recently, it was a billion, you know, in terms of running a campaign for the White House. Now, to go through the entire thing from mm-hmm, primary yes. through. Yeah. And so the now it doesn't mean you have to spend the most money or more than your opponent. Hillary spent more than Trump mm-hmm. in 2016. That did not work out for her. Uh, and as we've said. Uh, you know, if <laughs> if the candidate is wrong or if the message is wrong, you can spend all the money in the world and you're not going to get it. Uh, but, you know, I I think it's no surprise. I just don't know when the announcement, what the timing on the announcement would be. It will be interesting to see if he waits until the end of summer. You know, uh, it was for Bill Clinton. He got in in October of 91. So he could wait that late. He could wait and say, okay, I'm going to let the chaos kind of play out. And then you get, you kind of create your own space by doing that. And you also avoid a lot of the back and forth by doing that. If you're not officially in yet, the summer will be chaotic. And then you jump in. Well, here's the the thing. Do you, do you, do you want to be in the early debates or, do you want to, you know, let Trump go back and forth with the minor candidates that are in there? Well, right, right, I mean, yeah. if it's only, I mean, if it's if it's uh, uh, Trump and Nikki Haley, mm-hmm. yeah. And, well, oh, and, and what's his name? Um, I I got oh, I can't think of his name. Uh, the guy whose dad is a is a mailman or was a mailman that always runs Kasich. No, 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 no. Um, I can't think of his name. The uh, no, 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 no. The uh, he announced it. He's uh, oh, the entrepreneur. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, by the way, he and Nikki Haley after they announced kind of disappeared, didn't they? Uh, he's out every day. I see him. Mm-hmm. I see him. Well, Nikki Haley he, to me. Is he was out. He was out every day before that. But but I mean, he doesn't get the same coverage. He's no. definitely out there, no doubt. Well, and, the, the last week, Marianne Williamson's gotten more. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they had her on the Sunday morning news shows. I'm uh-huh. like, oh, my God. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's, look, it's going to be a, a pretty thin stage. It, it really gets down to two on the right. And the discussions on basically, all right, if uh, Trump gets it, who who would he pick as, as his veep? And, it, you know, I mean, it's everybody from uh, Nikki Haley to Carrie Lake. You saw that during the whole CPAC thing. Yes. You know, and we'll see 
what that turns out to be. And what's interesting is I haven't seen much in the last week or two talk about who DeSantis would pick. And I think that's because those who really want him to run and would and, and are on board fully already for DeSantis are thinking, well, he, he A, I give him the confidence that he would make the right choice, and B, it's not about the choice for Veep. Right now, it's about him getting in and, and being able to win the primary. First things first. Oh, Ramaswamy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, right? yeah, just, yeah. I, don't know. I just couldn't think of his name. Yeah. But there you go. So, right. I mean, right now. It, he was it, doing it, a lot of, in, and he's been on a number of podcasts and everything else, especially in the week after. And then there was some chatter about him. But you've got, as we've said, you've really got to get out there and you've got to make some headlines. And we'll he, see. What he does is. have a social media presence. So I haven't oh, seen him no, on social he's, media. He's every had that all day. along. He's right. had I, that and, all. That's the and, one advantage right. he has coming in. And I haven't seen that Nikki Haley. Uh, no, but no. but Ramaswamy had that uh, built in as he announced. That's something that he's always had. Now, the problem is for him, name recognition. Mm-hmm. And I just made that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I couldn't exactly. remember his name. Well, no, and he gets a lot of support from conservatives, but okay. it's just he doesn't have that name recognition yet. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. DeSantis is in, according to the Washington Post and others. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and you can listen when and where you want. If you can't listen live overnight. There you go. All right. Uh, here we are for the uh, the, the Friday show. Mm. Uh, this came out uh, two days ago. Really a remarkable remarkable admission. Uh, Jenna Ellis, the, uh, uh, one of the former lawyers for Donald Trump, admitted that uh, she lied in a variety of certain things back in 2020 on yeah. the election. She was censured. Um. Uh, for it, I'm just going through right here. I have the entire thing here with me. Um, this is the state of Colorado Supreme Court. Mm. Uh, the office of the presiding disciplinary judge. She agreed with all of this, by the way. Right. Yeah, she agreed. Yeah. She. It's not like they did the charges and she didn't agree with it. She agreed uh, what she misrepresented. And uh, they go through each and every point of it. November 20th, respondent appeared 
on mornings uh, with uh, Maria on Fox Business and stated we have affidavits from witnesses. We have voter intimidation. Uh, we have the ballots that were manipulated. We have all kinds of statistics that show that this was a coordinated effort in all of these states to transfer votes either from Trump to Biden to manipulate the ballots to count them in secret. Now, we called her on it back then. And the reason yeah, we're bringing right. this up is, you know, we got a lot of flack. We got a lot of flack for telling the truth. And if someone made a charge that we knew was ridiculous, we called them on it. And we took a lot of stuff from our listeners on this. Yeah. Every single thing that we said in November, December, January, February, uh, November and December of 2020, January and February of, of, uh, of 2021, and since that point, has been accurate. We were not wrong on one single thing. We didn't jump the gun on anything because we care about the truth. Were there irregularities and are there things that we wish to be that we wish to to see be changed in elections? Yes. And we went point by point by point by point on every because there wasn't one accusation. There were dozens of accusations. Some we said, man, those legit and should be looked into. Some were outright lies. Mm-hmm. We knew that Trump's lawyers were lying about Dominion and Smartmatic. From the very, it was obvious they were lying about it. They were making charges that we knew that they had they had no evidence. And we said it from the very beginning that the governor of Georgia and the secretary of state was taking bribes from Dominion. Smartmatic had nothing to do with the dang election. Well, and, and they, that was and, that was the clue. That was the real big tell when when that happened, and then they severed ties with Sidney Powell officially. What right. the next day, the Trump campaign, the Trump camp came out and severed ties she had to write a letter saying she never took any money for the services she provided and they wrote a letter giuliani wrote a letter but giuliani was also part of the lies i can't tell you why he lied but he was lying and they lied to 75 million people those of us who voted for him and made it sound like they had something when they had nothing. They did that repeatedly. And I've got no place for that. None. I'm never going to accept that kind of behavior, especially from those who are public servants or represent public servants. If you've got something, because this is what I expected when they announced they were going to have that press conference. They announced it the day before. I thought we were going to see them on the court steps somewhere. In front of a courthouse. We just filed this. Here's a copy for the media. I thought it was on. I can't tell you what happened to Sidney Powell and why she did what she did. Can't tell you what happened to Giuliani. But now, everybody knows the truth. There are discrepancies in every election cycle. You could probably find one in every polling place. At least one. There are some very real problems with the voting systems in certain states, and we've gone over that repeatedly. But that's not what this was about. 
Uh, she agrees. said uh, the respondent and the people agree that the respondent made 10 misrepresentations on Twitter and to nationally televised audiences in her capacity as personal counsel to then President of the United States and the counsel for his re-election campaign. The parties agree the respondent made these statements, which violated Colorado RPC 8.4, with at least a reckless state of mind. The parties agree that the counsel uh, on of a record uh, was not the counsel on record in any lawsuits challenging the 2020 election results. The parties agree that respondent, through her conduct, undermined, this is, again, what she agreed to, uh, undermined the public's confidence in the presidential election, violated her duty of candor to the public. Finally, the parties agreed uh, that the respondent had a selfish motive, motive, and she engaged in a pattern of misconduct. Hmm. And so the reason we bring it up is because we have long memories. We don't live in the bubble of today. We sat here and we were criticized by many in our own audience, for telling the truth. And it went on for a long time. And I don't know what's finally going to be resolved at Fox, but, you know, you saw the things that, you know, the more on Tucker Carlson coming out and the things that he said, mm. you know, behind, you know, behind the scenes. We will never do that. No. I don't care if I lose everything as long as I'm telling the truth, I don't care. Well, I'm not. I don't see where a lie is going to get me anywhere. And if you're doing it for the money, then what wouldn't you lie about? Right. I hate the fact that the party that represents me most on the issues, when anyone lies in that party, I am extremely frustrated and angry. Because there is no reason for conservative Republicans to lie ever. No. No. I, and, I and, expected and, action out of those three standing at that podium that day. That's what I expected when they announced it the day before. I fully expected we're going to see them at the on the steps of a courthouse somewhere and saying, we just filed in this courthouse, and this is what we filed, and here's your copy for the media. Here's your copy of what we filed. Here's what we found. And if I heard one more time, because when we started bringing out and people started admitting, many of our listeners have criticized us. Well, okay, well, it was a lie, but they do it. I don't give a damn if they lie. They, Fine, have, they have to lie on the other side. If you want to act like a liberal, feel free to act right. like a liberal. If you want to accept their tactics, then that's your choice. I don't accept that. These are public servants. And the lawyers who represent the public servants, I have no patience at all for them lying to 75 million people. They should be held accountable, and at least one of them has been so far. I know things were going on in the courts with Sidney Powell and, and things going on there. I don't know what's going to happen long term. And the fact of the matter is that you lose all credibility. And there's no way to deny it now. Because the only thing you hear now is, yeah, but there were discrepancies. There are discrepancies in every election. election. And we addressed every one of those. Yep. 
I, those are the things that absolutely need to be fixed. There are certain things, you know, we talked about it with the, with the midterms. For the love of math, why does it take so long to get the results in? There are a number of things that you should fix, that we should fix, the states should fix about their voting systems. And we go through this every election cycle. In 2000, it was about Florida. And some guy such, named Dangling Chat. But such obvious lies that came from the Trump camp and the Trump lawyers, mm-hmm. in my opinion, yeah. actually hurt the movement oh they oh yeah without i think without hurt, a doubt that, hurt, i was going to say that hurt, earlier right hurt, they they did so much damage by doing that right because their lies were so big and so obvious that well, to to us it may have slowed down the reform that a lot of states need and here's the thing too there was there was the, the part of the pushback was there was no way that Joe Biden beat Donald Trump from his basement. You underestimate the hatred for Donald Trump. Yeah. Well, again, as we stated way back in April of 2020, that was their campaign. Mm-hmm. They believed they could beat Donald Trump. Yeah. In fact, we they, said they, we they, said it dur- we before said it. the mid or before the um, uh, primaries. We said, look. On the primary stage for the Democrats, it's going to be the one who who can prove they hate Donald Trump the most, right. and then you know who uh, the one they can convince people that they can beat Donald Trump. Th- those are that's where you're paring down to the winner. Your eventual nominee is going to how that's how that's going to play out. It's the hatred for one guy. Go back and look at the Russian hoax. Go back and look at all the things they've done for their hatred of one guy. And he was their media darling until he announced he was running for president as a Republican. The, the, the left loved him. Remember the whole thing on the Billy Bush tapes? 11 years old before it came out. Why is that? Because liberals didn't care what he said on that tape. That tape didn't just pop up. It wasn't buried somewhere. It wasn't in, you know, some kind of capsule that... Only one person knew about it. There were a lot of people that knew about the Billy Bush tapes. And they loved him until he announced he was running as a Republican. And then he was Satan or Hitler or Mussolini or whatever. And yeah, that's very real. That's what if you because that's that's the the pushback is, well, there's no way that Biden beat him. Biden didn't beat him. The hatred for Donald Trump. People didn't vote for Biden. They voted against Donald Trump out of hatred for one guy. That's how that played out. And it's quite unfortunate because if it's that big of a driver... And there's a lot well, of things bigger, we, it's we have driver, to work you, out you, as a but, nation. But you just can't say it's the hate. It's more than the hate. It's the, the complete lack of communication 
of Trump for four years of communicating a message effectively and going down every stinking rabbit hole. That's part of it. But the biggest driver is the hatred for Donald Trump. Didn't stop him from winning in 2016. Because it didn't exist yet. I mean, you weren't even you no, weren't existed. You weren't you weren't into the right. Russian hoax fully in into no, the you, Russian you, hoax. At no, that you point. weren't. You weren't. A, yeah, you, you know, you, you didn't. They point, didn't create no. the monster right. until 2020. This is this is a. So you don't believe he could have won in 2020? Yeah. No, there are things that he could have done to improve his campaign. I can't tell you that he could have won. Yeah. I believe For sure. I believe he could have run. Won. You're saying it's possible. If yeah. you're saying it's possible, well, yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I, I think it's more than. You're, are you saying he would have won? There's a difference. Could have or would have? No, he could have won if he could have won well, if yeah, he, well, if, he was, he, yeah, if he was if he had shown discipline for the four years that he was in office. Yeah, yeah well, that could have encompasses I, a lot. Look, yes. I, I think I think what, and I'll never forget getting the call from my friend Kelly. Mm-hmm. And the most loyal Trump supporter, and she called me in mid-April of 2020 and said he's going to lose the damn election because of the COVID stuff, mm-hmm. because of the way that he's standing up there and going down every rabbit hole and not just addressing the medical needs and then walking off. He doesn't need to be there. And she was the biggest Trump supporter you could possibly imagine. I'll never forget that when she, when she told me that, sent mm-hmm. me that message saying he's going he's gonna to lose the election because he can't shut up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was a big deal for a lot of people. Yep. No doubt. And that's you, also what part part of what built the hatred for him. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. 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 So yes, it was about the hatred mm-hmm. of Donald Trump. Whether he inflicted that upon himself or they built it falsely through Russian hoax, it was the hatred for the one guy. Because you look at the accomplishments as president. Yeah. And yes. he and he nailed it. I, I agree. So they didn't like the way he behaved. They didn't like his words, as we said right. all along. It was his words. You know, it's like what did we uh, what did we say one time where people you know, after the election, you saw so many Republicans say, "Oh, so you don't like the mean tweets? Mm-hmm. See, you didn't like the mean tweets, so you didn't vote for him." Yeah, and it's like, okay, if you believe that, if you believe that mean tweets is the reason, you remember how many did you see? Mm-hmm. Of that, I mean, that was all over the place for mm-hmm. a year after. Mm-hmm. Oh, now with Biden, see, just because of mean tweets, you didn't vote for him. Well, then my point would be as a political consultant, don't do the mean tweets. Mm-hmm. If you believe, and so many Trump supporters believed it was the tweets after the election, oh, mean tweets now bother you. Well, then don't do the mean tweets. Yeah, sure. Stop the mean tweets. Exactly. No, that's that's the that's you're, the American you're, political landscape. Right. You're going to imaging is everything. And even if you do a great job as a president and do unprecedented things as a president, it won't matter. And that will build the hatred that will drive you out of office. 86690-RED-EYE. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. Costs are not the same each month. If 9,600 miles are driven one month and 10,000 miles the next, two different sets of costs apply for each month. For example, if your tractor payment is $1,850 per month and you drive 9,600 miles in the month, your tractor payment is costing you 19.3 cents per mile. 
Drive 10,000 miles, though, and that same payment will cost you 18.5 cents per mile. This is one of your major fixed costs while paying off a truck loan. The difference in this example is only a fraction of a cent, which may seem like small change, but it ultimately amounts to $960 more annually on the bottom line. Because though fixed costs do not go down over time, you can reduce your cost per mile with more paid miles. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Just reading what's in the president's budget. I mean, none of it in his budget, none of it's going to go through, but listen to this. The budget brings back the wealth tax that Senate Democrats proposed to pay for President uh, Biden's Build Back Better plan. It proposes a 25% minimum tax on the full income of Americans with more than $100 million in wealth, which means if you have $100 million in wealth, it means you would tax the increase in value of any asset over a hundred million. For mm-hmm. example, if you're worth a billion, mm-hmm. that nine hundred million mm-hmm. over the one hundred million. Yeah. If you went up, let's say you went up a hundred million in the appraised value of that by the yeah. IRS. Yeah. You would have to pay twenty five percent on mm-hmm. the wealth. Yeah. Of that. Yeah. That's not happening. And by the way, that means you would have to audit most everybody, anybody of any considerable wealth. Yeah. How do you know which assets just take off? A Bitcoin, which is worth very little at one point, and then it takes off and it's worth tens of thousands per Bitcoin. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. You're a threat to democracy if you don't download our app, Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. On this uh, Friday, there's just so much to cover, but we want to make sure that uh, we play audio cuts of of uh, things that uh, we viewed as important this week, including 
uh, the Weaponization uh, Committee hearing from Matt Taibbi and uh, uh, and uh, uh, what's Schellenberger's first name? Michael? Michael. Michael, okay, yeah. Uh, Michael uh, uh, Schellenberger, they were uh, uh, just two of the, oh, what was there, six or seven uh, journalists uh, out there mm-hmm. uh, that disseminated the Twitter files. Uh, here is Schellenberger yesterday. You've seen this censorship industry go from, well, we're just fighting ISIS to, well, we're just fighting Russian disinformation bots to, well, now we need to fight domestic misinformation, which is just saying we need to fight against people who are saying things we disagree with online. That's all that means. And I, I mean, it's not a slippery slope. It's an immediate leap into a, a terrifying mechanism that I, we only see in totalitarian societies of attempting to gain control over what the social media platforms are, allow, are allowing. And so, um, yeah, for me, it's just, it starts at DHS, but we basically see um, almost every government agency involved in this. The the fascinating thing is, and and this is you know we had talked earlier this week about um uh, about uh, and you saw McCarthy now saying that he will release the uh, the January six tapes basically there was, across, there was, across the board. Yeah, there was clear pressure to do that, right? And and and, and you know I yeah. I think that's the only way you can do that or should do that. Look, we got some feedback by the way on the whole Tucker Carlson thing. We don't have a problem with Tucker Carlson, and we don't have a problem with what Tucker Carlson is doing. Our point was, or at least I'll speak for me, my concern is that you're not going to, if you're not going to make it available widely, then it's not going to do what it's intended. It's not going to give you the leverage that you believe it will, because it will it will be limited simply because Tucker Carlson won't have the time to get to it all. Well, not not only that, the as I as I stated, uh, and and I'll argue any anybody on this one, the the problem right now that Democrats. That's why I'm relating the the Schellenberger thing to the Tucker Carlson thing. Schellenberger liberal, Taibbi liberal, Barry Weiss liberal. Every single one of the people that disseminated the Twitter files, you cannot portray as a conservative partisan and they're journalists. And so that's what's making it so hard right now. That's why the Democrats can't get any leverage because they're attacking their own. If the argument now is not whether you're a Democrat, it's whether you're for freedom of the press as a Democrat or not freedom of the press as a Democrat. The Republicans aren't really involved in this. All Republicans are doing is opening up the door for Democrats who believe in in freedom of the press. There's nowhere to go here. It's like Fauci came out yesterday. He was on Brett Baer, but really Brett Baer didn't ask the right questions to him, Mm. uh, in my opinion. But there is nobody defending Fauci now. Why? Because the evidence is the evidence exists. You are connecting the dots to give it to Tucker Carlson immediately. And that's our argument was political. It wasn't the substance of it. It was the political argument. And the political argument is Tucker Carlson's viewed as a partisan. If McCarthy would have given said you guys want it and disseminate it first, I would have said no. Because it would not be as effective. Why? Well, well, no, because I mean, because we're viewed as we're viewed as partisan. That was that was my point that the whole thing is and it's got caught up in the fact of, you know, especially with Tucker Carlson, you know, just blasting Trump blasting him 
that that uh, that uh, text or email came out what just in the last day and a half, absolutely blasting Trump. You know, and then on the air, well, not the same thing. That hurts. You need the credibility when you're going to release something. You need political credibility that especially with the democratic party the way it is now and the fact that on the january 6th committee the public already didn't buy what the january 6th committee did you had a tremendous advantage there and i think it set back the republicans push because it's viewed as mccarthy being partisan which is why mccarthy said yesterday he's now going to release it all well yeah um look i want full transparency First and foremost, if you're going to release something, then release it wide. It's a given that there's going to be the accusations of, well, it's, it's, uh, you know, uh, it's Tucker Carlson. So it's, I mean, look, they're doing it right now with Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger. It's a given it's going to be political. Anybody who reports on it is going to be seen as far right wing if they do any real journalism at all by the way uh the one lawmaker who was it was it sylvia garcia who couldn't didn't know who barry weiss was <laughs> really? yeah representative <laughs> sylvia garcia reveals well, she didn't uh, town hall had the tweet and then barry weiss actually retweeted it uh yesterday uh and here's the tweet from town hall through her line with with video to accompany it through her line of questioning Rep- representative sylvia garcia reveals she didn't know who Barry Weiss is and proceeds to ask a rather awkwardly worded question. And at that point, it was uh, Michael Schellenberger who she was asking that question to, and he was responding. But Barry Weiss uh, uh, retweets that town hall tweet, and she writes, I am dead. Couldn't get to D.C., but nothing but love for Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi who do a heroic job of not completely breaking down here. Like I said, the moment they started going after the freedom of the press, if I'm a journalist in that situation, you must be a moron if you think I'm going to reveal my sources. Well, but but that's the point. Remember, the Democrats only really attacked them when they had to in committee. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they've basically ignored them. Yeah. They, and that's the point. You don't ignore Tucker Carlson. You don't ignore anybody who is a partisan because they're already known as a partisan. Mm-hmm. Already giving it, you know, giving it to him means it's, you know, it's easy to convince. And because your goal is to always convince the independents, you're not going to convince the partisans on either side. Yeah, and that's so you why there you release you, it wide. That's why you release it wide like that. So yep. yeah, they're they're eventually going to be attacked. But really, you know, the those the big attacks from the Democratic Party came when they had no other choice because the Republicans, they they either attack them or they agree with what's going on, and so they have to attack. But they're being being forced to attack is different than opening up a huge door where they can say, oh, you're just releasing it to Tucker Carlson, so it's going to be biased at that particular point. Yeah, I mean, you you have to, because your idea is we're going to have full transparency on this so everybody can see what happened. Exactly. And that's where you start. And that's what I wanted from the beginning and now is apparently going to happen after the pressure was put on them to do that. I mean, because that, you know, this is this is exactly how this needs to play out. I don't I think Tucker Carlson does a a fine job at 
pointing out a number of things. People are learning new things about what happened on January 6th. Now, a lot of people, I thought, knew some of those things already. But and as I'm watching people post stuff saying, can you believe this? You know, this is new information. And I thought to myself, well, not all of this is new information. And so, you know, but nonetheless, whether they forgot it or they actually didn't see it before, then great. It's always great to learn something new about uh, January 6th or anything else. As you're learning what actually went down that day and how that played out, as opposed to what the bogus January 6th committee wanted you to believe, no, those are that's always going to be a plus. But you have to release it wide. And there's no way, there's no way around that. There's no way to, uh, because the problem is it's not a real release simply because no one source is going to have the, the ability to release it. If they had said, you know, okay, Tucker Carlson, then in Fox, uh, on foxnews.com or wherever, they're going to have a link to, you know, where you can go and you can see all of this information for yourself. And the media is all going to be in on, you know, and we welcome the media to uh, to to do their take on it, each of them, great. But that was the only problem that I had on it. Yeah, that. the only thing I got, the only uh, response I got on it was incorrectly uh, stating what we said. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that I got on our No, it seems on, actually on, on January uh, Actually, 6th. everything that I got had something that was not correct. Yeah. I have one here. The opening from Wednesday morning, you open by saying it's not good uh, to bring up January 6th because it doesn't affect you personally. Actually, we said the opposite. Not Never said that. What we, you, well, you actually deliberately said at one point, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. This is a good thing. You actually said something to yeah, the, of that nature. Right, right. But what I was, I was stating, the political point, I was not saying, I was saying the political point is the issues of the day. That That's when we were talking about, not that you don't bring it up, mm-hmm. but you don't forget about inflation. Right. That was my point, that mm-hmm. you bring up what the public is concerned about, mm-hmm. majorly concerned about. And again, I will say this, the majority of criticism that I know that, that at least I get about us is always wrong about what we said. 95% of the time, like I just read right there, what that guy just wrote, and I just mm-hmm. wrote, I said, we didn't say that. Try right. again. Right. I don't know what else to say. We never said that. What we said was people react more. And I'm not talking about myself, and we made it clear. This is the political analysis of the public. People react more to things that affect them personally. January mm-hmm. 6th, it's important to get the truth out, yeah. did not affect 99.99% of Americans personally. Right. We never said don't cover it. We said how you disseminate it is extremely important. And while you're doing that, you also constantly hit the things that are important. Yeah. No, Wait, which I, 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 the, the things that are important because they affect Americans every day. I haven't heard the Republicans in a in a unified voice pounding on inflation mm-hmm. every single day mm-hmm. like the Democrats would. That is our point. Mm-hmm. And and by releasing it wide, it I think it and hopefully it will still have this effect. Um, but the idea is to have, uh, you know, the Wall Street Journal editorial board <laughs> or Andrew McCarthy or a number of people 
that can also tear it apart and and also do their take on it. And by doing that, you widen the story. So the media uh, does the work for you and not just one source in the media. You would have multiple sources on that, and hopefully that's what will still happen by releasing it wide. I hope that's the case. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, if uh, you would like to uh, get in, this this didn't get a lot of uh, play yesterday from the, or two days ago from the mainstream media. A federal judge ruled in favor of the state of Florida on Wednesday and struck down the Biden administration's use of parole to free illegal uh, immigrants in droves that are caught crossing the border. That's the catch and release policy. Judge T. Kent uh, Weatherill, the second of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Florida, blocked the Biden administration from using the humanitarian parole and alternatives to detention to mass release migrants, a policy critics refer to as catch and release. Uh, Weatherill blasted the Biden administration in a scathing opinion in support of Republican Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody's challenge to the practice, arguing that the southern border has become just a speed bump for illegal border crossers. Hmm. The evidence establishes that the defendants have effectively turned the southwest border into a meaningless line in the sand. This is from the judge. Sand and little more than a speed bump for, for aliens flooding into the country and prioritizing alternatives to detention over actual detention and by releasing more than a million aliens into the country on parole or pursuant to the exercise of prosecutorial discretion under a wholly uh, inapplicable uh, statute without even initiating removal proceedings. There is nothing inherently inhumane or cruel about detaining aliens pending completion of their immigration proceedings, uh, the judge uh, uh, said. So, And uh, he said bluntly, he said, if you look at the law, this is based on the law. That yep. Biden isn't yep. following. And we've, how many times did we say this? Yep. Biden's not following the immigration law. Right. And finally, a judge has called him on it. Now, there's a, there's like a, uh, it's a hold on it pending uh, appeal, I think, for at least seven days on it. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Biden may not appeal it because, hey, it's election time. Well, and, and if you don't appeal it, what do you do? Because my thought is, do they do, like the Obama administration did with the secret court, with the FISA court. You just ignore their directive. You know, you're not enforcing the law. Well, okay, sorry about that. You don't appeal it, but you just keep not enforcing the law. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio 
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Thank you so much for uh, being here. You know, we were uh, you know, just talking earlier about the January 6th tapes and how we believe McCarthy should have done it. You know, McCarthy coming out, you know, already some response saying, well, they had to give it to Tucker because that's the only person that, you know, he that they, they trust. Well, that didn't work out because now they have to widely disseminate it again. Mm. The problem was twofold. First off, we're a partisan. When I say you're partisan, that's not an insult. It's just what you are. Right. We'll you do know? insults later in the show. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm partisan. As I said, they if McCarthy would have given it to us, you guys disseminated first, I'd say, no way. No, I wanted to have credibility and immediately we'll be accused of being partisans, which we are. Mm-hmm. We're partisan for a particular uh, political idea that is represented by a party that we vote for, uh, even though we criticize them. <laughs> it's- Often represented by a party that we vote for. <laughs> exactly. And and so, no, so that was... A, but the other thing is the news that has come out. And again, you because of the lawsuit, because of the Dominion lawsuit, Tucker Carlson, Hannity, Laura, Laura Ingram, none of them can talk about it. Yeah, right. And so you don't know what the response is. And Fox News, of course, is responding, is responding and saying uh, that Dominion is taking it out of context. But the stuff on just Tucker... That was released just the other day. <clears throat> you know, if you're if you're a um, Trump supporter, you have to be going whoa, because mm. the judge is releasing it in January fourth, twenty twenty one. Tucker Carlson uh, texted uh, out <clears throat> about Trump. Excuse me, mm. I hate him passionately. I can't handle much more of this. Mm. Now Fox has said they've. Taking it, you know, out of... Let me just see exactly what Fox has said on it. Um, Mm. uh, Okay. Uh, In a statement, Fox News accused Dominion of dishonestly portraying key figures' internal communications. Okay. What that means? Who knows? It's a a generalized comment. kind of broad, yeah. Yeah, they don't don't hit each one specifically and say, he never said that. Right. Uh, But, uh, you know, that, that these texts aren't real text. I hate him passionately. I can't handle more of this. We're all pretending we've got a lot to show for it because admitting what a disaster it's been is just too tough to digest. He wrote in another text message referring to the last four years. But come on, there really isn't an upside to Trump, end of quote. Mm. That's another reason Mm -hmm. that you shouldn't release it because there is a credibility perception. And again, it's a perception because Hannity, Carlson, and Laura Ingram have not been able to defend themselves right. on it. We don't know what the defense is on it. But the perception is there, which is why they should have released it outright in another way. Hmm. I don't know whether you go to the same people that are testifying right now, or maybe they've got, you know, Taibbi and and uh, and uh, and Schellenberger and barry weiss and everybody else and say look we just want a here's the thing about the 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 tapes 
The January 6th committee released exactly what they wished to release. Mm -hmm. Anything they didn't release, they didn't want released. Mm -hmm. That's what you focus on. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But to me, our point was always political on this. We want everything to be released, always. And we stated that, even though we have some of our listeners that take us out of context as to what we stated when we when we brought this up first on, uh, I believe it was Wednesday show, either Tuesday or, yeah, Wednesday show, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, I think. Yeah. Even though you take us out of context, we were we want it to be the most politically effective release immediately. Where, as we stated before, nobody's defending Fauci right now. Why? Because the information is out there. You finally had Democrats attacking Taibbi and Matt Schellenberger and those involved in the Twitter files, even though they didn't really know who was involved in it. They knew Taibbi and whatever. But they're forcing them. And and it was extremely weak from the Democrats. From what I saw, I didn't see a strong Democrat point. They're attacking Taibbi and Schellenberger and the others, but it's weak because they're backed against the wall and they have no other choice. Mm -hmm. So their arguments are extremely poor. But when you do it correctly and effectively, and that was our point, we're all for that. Our point politically with the Republican Party was the fact that, yes, these are important things to bring out, but you also have to understand what the public is concerned with right now, and you need to be impounding inflation every single day. Mm -hmm. You need to still be pounding those things. You can't be, you cannot be caught because your goal is to win independence. That's what it is. That's what your goal is. You're not going to win, you know, Republicans, Democrats. The prize is independence. Yeah. And independence right now, look at this president and go, this guy's horrible. But if you're not talking about what they care about, they've heard about January 6th a million times. January 6th did not affect them personally. They might care about it, but it's way down on the list. Well, and also by releasing it wide, then you put it in the hands of the media. And hopefully those, again, those people that, that we follow and read and and a lot of people on the right will follow and read will do the work for you. And you can focus as a party on the issues. Right. And then that's how that plays out. And that's how that should play out. Look, we all know that the January 6th committee was bogus. Well, the you, public knew it. Mm -hmm. That that's, what, that's why we stated what we stated, because they failed miserably because it was viewed as a partisan exercise. Right. Yeah. Don't, yep. don't attack back with what can be perceived as a partisan exercise right. when you don't have to. Right. And well, you put it out there and then let the media do do their work. Uh, some great minds are going to pick it apart and it plays out in the media. And that assessment uh, can, you know, however it uh, the American people choose to prioritize it in their life. OK, great. They can if it's Andrew McCarthy, whoever it is. All of that plays out. The media is doing the work on that while you're doing the work of the American people and the concerns. Right. Uh, the border, inflation, and everything else right now that's on the table. Well, but you're also going to have people in the media that will focus on what the January 6th committee did. 
but that's already out there. Yeah. What yeah. isn't out there is everything not, else yeah, not, that the Democrats didn't want right. released. There is nothing new yeah, there's that no, the, nothing that you the can media add could get that. a hold of. Right. right. There's nothing you can add to that. You can't do any more than they've already done. There's really nowhere else to go with that part of it. So, you know, um, and hopefully that's the way it's going to play out. Thank you, Speaker McCarthy, for listening to Red Eye Radio. yeah i i just uh again what i want is it's very simple and i'm amazed how how it's not a lot but i'm still amazed how people don't understand what our point is our point is to get the win every time on every conservative argument and every argument of truth that's our goal Mm. our goal isn't to lose our goal is to win every argument yeah when it's not being done effectively, we have a problem with it. Well, especially when so much of the heavy lifting is done for you. Yeah. It's already, well, in January 6th, it's been done. Yeah. The public didn't yeah. buy, the you know, the public didn't buy what the Democrats were selling. And right. it didn't matter right. if they had Liz Cheney yeah. and Kissinger on. It didn't matter. Yeah. It, it was pretty obvious, well, you weren't able to cross-examine anything. And the public mm. early on. Mm. Knew it was a partisan exercise. Yeah. So you don't respond with the partisan exercise. Right. You do the opposite. You get the imagery right and you get the substance right. That's how you win in politics. This isn't rocket science. Mm-hmm. And that's why I get frustrated at times. Yeah. With the Republicans. Yeah. Which is, is not new. <laughs> no. And- Our frustrations go back for the ages. With the Republican Party. Well, but, some, look, some of the same people like McCarthy sucks. McCarthy sucks a month ago. Oh, mm-hmm. he's doing the right thing. No, mm-hmm. it was absolutely the right thing. Well, no, it wasn't. Yeah. The right thing. Right. They didn't do it. They didn't release it. Now, it may become more effective, and sure. that's fine. But you wait. You can't give the Democrats an inch. Not an inch. You win every argument of substance and imagery. But you win both. If you've got the imagery, you've got the substance to back it up. You don't want to be the Democrats, which is all allegations, all imagery. And then when it comes down to backing it up, they can't do any of it. Mm -hmm. And we know the Republicans can win because all the polling across the board shows that on the major issues, the Republicans are winning. Yeah. Yep. It's you've really got so much done for you. It's it's the follow through. Look, I think they've done a good job on on uh, so far with the committees and the hearings that have been out there. Yes, uh, you know, so do I. Yeah. The, the unfortunate part of that is that most of the American people don't play, pay too much uh, attention to it. But that's where you take what you have learned and then you promote it uh, again through your messaging, and that has to be done repeatedly. and And hopefully, that's going to be the case. The campaigning uh, for twenty four has already begun. Um, and it's not just about the White House. You're going to have to look. It's <laughs> don't believe that it's a given that the you know wherever the media is right now on their assessment of the breakdown in the Senate and and how it really doesn't favor Democrats and it it doesn't favor Democrats. It favors the GOP taking the Senate in 24. But you got to keep the House and you got to get the Senate and you need to uh, you need to approach it as if you're uh, right now far, far, far underwater politically in all the polls. And, and you know, hopefully that's going to be done. You know, that it's, it's going to require constant work. 
as bad as Joe Biden is and as many things that that he's doing to trip himself up and his party, it still requires work to earn a vote and then ultimately keep those votes for the party. Well, I've got hope for change. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how about hope, but right now, no change. (laughs) Hope, but we'll visit change later. Or change, but, yeah, we're doomed. (laughs) No hope. No hope for you. You know, it's it's wow. it will. <laughs> There's something Nazi in there yeah, somewhere. No hope for you. The hope Nazi <laughs> instead of the soup Nazi. No hope for you. Um, but those, you know, those are the things that that uh, hopefully will 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 take shape. I what I love about DeSantis is DeSantis is absolutely on point, and I haven't seen him in an interview or a speech where he hasn't been. And if he's going to get in, whether he gets the nomination or not, I think he's going to be good for the GOP because I think there are mm-hmm. going to be some clear points that he's going to make on stage in interviews and everything else. Look, if he decides not to get in, he's still going to be good uh, in terms of campaigning for the GOP. Well, that's where he hits every point, hits every point effectively, yep. and he doesn't lie. Mm-hmm. Yep. He doesn't need to. Doesn't need to lie. That's been my point. As I said, one of the biggest problems we have in the United States today is lying. Right. And the acceptance of lying by the people. He doesn't well, need I'm hyperbole. In this, I, I'm in this tribe, and this tribe, I'm in this tribe, then we should lie too because they lie. Right. No, you don't act like they do. You don't need to lie. They right. need to lie. Stop lying mm-hmm. on our side. Right. And I say on our side, it's the issues that we agree with. Yeah, you agree with me on the issues. There's no reason to lie right. on any of the issues. None. It may be boring, but you got to stay yep. on the issues. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. You know, when we look at the the censorship and, and the the uh, the fascist mindset that exists in the Democratic Party right now, you know, when you see the the anti, you know, First Amendment stuff that you saw yesterday uh, with the Democrats and the questioning of Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger, and then this story. Minnesota lawmakers are mulling a change to state law that would log alleged bias incidents even when they are not considered a crime Mm. leading one lawmaker to say the plan would create a thought crime database listen to this a bill pitched in january of course coming from democrats would allow people to report perceived bias relation incidents such as alleged slurs and verbal attacks that would fall outside the hate crimes compiled annually by the State Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, which means the State Bureau of Criminal Apprehension would have a database of people complaining of alleged slurs 
or perceived bias-related incidents mm. that were not crimes. Yeah. My God. <laughs> Each alleged incident would include information about the perceived offender and victim relevant to that bias. Quote, uh, Representative State uh, Representative Walter Hudson told Fox News Digital, quote, it's a very insidious and conniving way to get the camel's nose under the tent of expanding the scope of government scrutiny of speech beyond crimes and assault. Hudson also worried the language of the bill, which encompasses not just race, but also gender identity and gender expression. Hmm. So, for example, could you imagine? <laughs> One of our Minnesota affiliates, and we're on there saying, sorry, a biological man can't be a biological woman mm -hmm. just because they say so. Mm -hmm. And that is an alleged, so all of a sudden, <laughs> Red Eye Radio, <laughs> we're in the... Uh, the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension uh -huh. because of something we stated. You know, I'm going to play, we played the Schellenberger cut earlier where he talked yeah. about how yeah. terrifying it is right. where the Democrats and liberals are going in this country right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Think about that. That's what they wish to do. Understand the mindset and just how radical yeah. the mainstream of the Democratic Party is today. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely frightening. Yeah, it is. Because take a law like you know the, that their their uh, the proposal in Minnesota, mm. and have conservatives in charge with the ability to prosecute or the ability to collect the same things, and you know under this particular law by what their perception of a bias is, mm. and liberals would be going crazy. Well, I mean, that's it. But it's this is once again, uh, the left insists on coming after you based on words. We weren't lying when we said it was going to happen. And then California did it. Of course, that was overturned. Um, but they would outlaw things they disagree with. You start with deeming things as hate speech. And then it's not long before they're walking in the churches and saying, during your sermon, you said this. As he writes, the bill is replete with the term actual or perceived identity. So the intention of whoever is being accused of exhibiting bias is not even relevant. The only thing that matters is how the person making the report feels. If yeah. the person making the report feels as though they have been a victim of an incident or bias, then they have been the victim of an incident or bias, and it's reported to the government criminal database. Oh, that doesn't open things up right. completely for somebody who has a vendetta. We're going to create a, a database of all these subjective, arbitrary, whimsical feelings that people have had, not anything objective or tangible wow. at all. Wow. So if you've got a vendetta, just, yep. you know, you could just accuse anybody and everybody. That's not how I identify.
The Bonus Show. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Well, I just, you know, I just read this story. It just had come up, I believe, like at, uh, you know, early this morning on uh, on Fox. Mm. Minnesota lawmakers slam bill that would create thought uh, crime database of alleged bias incidents. Uh, and I'll just read it again in case you just, you know, caught in the middle of it. Because mm. it's fascinating, especially with uh, the hearings going on right now. The First Amendment, uh, weaponization of government. <laughs> the weaponization of government. Yeah, this couldn't be abused, could it? Minnesota lawmakers are mulling a change to state law that would log alleged bias incidents even when they aren't considered a crime, leading one lawmaker to say the plan would create a thought crime database. A bill pitched in January would allow people to report perceived bias-related incidents such as alleged slurs and verbal attacks that would fall outside of the hate crimes compiled annually by the State Bureau of Criminal Apprehension. Each alleged incident would include information about the perceived offender and victim relative to the bias, uh, said Representative Walter Hudson, a Republican in Minnesota. It's a very insidious and conniving way to get the camel's nose under the tent of expanding the scope of government scrutiny of speech beyond crimes and assault. Hudson said he worried that the language of the bill, which encompasses not just race, but also gender identity and gender expression is overbroad and could ultimately impinge upon religious liberty. He noted that he found the original draft of the bill problematic, but noted the language of the bill has been included uh, to uh, has been amended to include incidents that do not reach the levels of crimes. The bill is replete with the term quote actual or perceived identity. So the intention of whoever is being accused is exhibiting bias is not relevant. The only thing that matters is how the person making the report feels. If the person making the report feels as though they have been the victim of an incident of bias, then they have been the victim of an incident of bias. And we're going to create a database of all of these subjective, arbitrary, whimsical feelings that people have had, not anything objectable or tangible at all, and the government will have a database on it. Why do you have a database on it? For what? What's the reason for having the database? Right. Why why would you keep that information? Uh, The lawmaker voiced his concerns about the bill during a committee hearing earlier this year when he raised the alarm about the government keeping track of incidents in which no law has been broken. When he asked what sort of incident of alleged hate or bias could fall under the purview of the law, Hudson noted that Public Commissioner Rebecca Lucero offered the example of someone yelling uh, an insult out of their car window. Lucero did not respond to Fox News Digital's request for comment by time of publication. Uh, Walter Hudson writes, she went on to explain that this bill would give them data around what is outside the purview of the Humans Human Rights Act where there is speech and associated related action that is inappropriately used around bias-motivated incidents. Huh? Clear as mud. Perhaps an example would help. Earlier in the testimony, the commissioner offered one. A person on the side of the road gets mean things yelled at them by a passing car. It makes them sad. 
That's the sort of thing they want documented and tracked. It seems very clear based on their focus on motivation that they're more concerned about what's going on in people's heads, which is protected speech, and that's thought crime. Hudson said he believes the law may be looking uh, at trying to basically profile communities, and the implication is that different communities will be scored based on how hateful they are in order to create narratives to further future legislative action. Hudson is also concerned the bill could be used to effectively outlaw biblical expression. He noted that during the committee hearing, when he voiced his objections, he did not receive a direct answer when he asked if the bill's provisions could apply to someone posting on social media about their religious beliefs regarding sexuality and gender. What about a pastor or a priest during a sermon? It very much presents a direct threat, a chilling effect at the very least, to normal, common Christian doctrinal, doctrine, biblical expression, and uh, for that matter, all faiths. The bill has also drawn criticism from the left, prompting a letter of concern from the American Civil Liberties Union of Minnesota. Mm. In the letter sent to Public Safety, Finance, and Political a policy committee chair, Kelly Moeller, that was provided to Fox News Digital, the ACLU policy director warned that the expansive provisions of this bill in- introduced the prospect that speech and or associations unrelated to a particular action may be inappropriately used to infer biased motivation. While the individual's words or associations may be repugnant to some if they are not directly connected to a specific action, using them to impose criminal penalties does raise constitutional concerns. Hudson said the bill isn't like any other legislation he is aware of in the United States. I don't believe there's anywhere else in the United States where government is documenting incidents that are not crimes in an effort to try to profile communities as being more hateful than others, adding that the law he expects will pass resembles legislation one might expect in Canada or the UK. Ooh, it's true. Well, and if they are compiling this database, is there going to be public access to the database? Yeah, don't know. Because that, to me, sounds like doxing. You're building a list of the, of, of people you are deeming a threats or you know we don't, i don't know what the point of compiling the database is if it is not actionable with prosecution if it is not something against the law you're just trying to earmark these individuals for what for surveillance well i know i think hudson brought up the uh, the other great point that the other thing it could be used for is liberals then will use that as a database to promote what communities show more bias mm-hmm. based not on any type of incident, right. but on the perception of how many allegations there are, even though it's never been proven that the, that the case even, the action even ever happened, that you can then put out a, a thing saying these communities are biased because we had this many reports here, this many reports here, this many reports here, mm-hmm. which is just allegations that I have been offended. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is just understand where liberalism is going. That's I think that's the important thing 
for people to understand. This is where liberalism and then the Democratic Party is going. And what if I report that the lawmakers responsible for this bill are offensive and I'm offended by them? Are they immune from being in the database? Well, I, it depends. I, it, no, if you say you're offended, no then, one can. Then, no one can challenge that. Why? Who, who can? Ch- how do you? How, nobody. You can't say no. because tomorrow I can say, and it doesn't matter. I don't have to prove anything to you. All I have right. to do is say I'm offended for whatever reason, and it doesn't right. matter the you know I identify as or I no no. No, 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 no. I'm offended. That's what it comes down to. I'm offended by something. We're going to build a data a database of people who offended other people. Well, for example, you and I were having a little bit of fun earlier mm. uh, at the lead headline in Fox News. <laughs> the lead, mm-hmm. Representative Bobert announces she will become a grandmother at age 36. Mm-hmm. And your immediate response was, she's not 36. I thought she was older. She's old. See? Yeah. Ageism. Mm-hmm. You've offended somebody. That gets reported. I don't know that she's offended by that. Prove it. Well, 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 no. If if she said she was offended or or if somebody was offended by hearing you say that about her. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, no. What if you're offended by something they say about someone else, but you aren't part of that community or whatever it is that you're not the individual or, and you don't represent, you're not representative of that group. Well, as we know, liberalism has gone. If you're offended, you're offended. It doesn't really matter what was said. What if it's I'm, the fact that you are offended? What if I am offended by the fact that something wasn't offensive? Well, if somebody <laughs> was not politically correct, mm-hmm. then you could probably make that point. Look, we're talking liberalism here. Right. I'm offended if, by if, the things well, they no. didn't say. If if the doctrine, if if the doctrine and the rule book says you are offended and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what you say, for example, the liberal transgender activist movement. I go back to Ben Shapiro mm. on what was it? What doctor was he on was it drew dr drew on back when he was on cnn yeah. headline news. dr drew and and there was a transgender woman mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. and shapiro said something like well the science is you're not a biological right you're not a biological woman right and then the transgender woman wanted to fight him take him outside and fight him mm-hmm. and Shapiro's like see yeah right right here and everybody that was there on the panel, all the liberals, <laughs> even though they agreed that Shapiro was telling the truth, right? it didn't matter that he was telling the scientific <laughs> truth. It's the fact that Shapiro should have known that yeah. by telling the truth, uh-huh. he would offend the transgender woman, right. and therefore Shapiro was wrong. Right. You can get threatened... With violence, you're the bad guy. Right. Being threatened with violence wasn't the problem. It's that Shapiro should have known that telling the truth would have driven Mm -hmm. the transgender woman to violence against him. Right. Therefore, it's Shapiro's fault. If that's the philosophy of the liberals, 
then what can't be offensive? Yeah, and and Ben, by the way, missed a golden opportunity. He should have looked at the guy and said, well, I don't fight women. And then everybody's head would have exploded and the show would be over. <laughs> Tell me where I'm wrong. I would have been, no, that would have been the perfect response. Yeah. Well, no, he would have been then insensitive. Mm-hmm. But you don't think he's a woman. Look, but if you say right now <laughs> that the Democratic Party cannot define a woman, which uh-huh. they can't, no, they that can't. is viewed as an insult. Somebody's yeah, right. offended by that. Right, right. Right. Because being a woman is whatever you want to be. It doesn't need to be defined. Mm -hmm. You can't define it. The fact that you try and define it is offensive. Is offensive, yes. Definitions are offensive. Yeah, exactly. Definitions of anything are offensive. Math is offensive. That's my feeling on math. (laughs) Math with feelings. We talked about it. If if we talked about, you know, that in schools now. Yeah. That teaching math with feelings, if you don't believe you should teach math with feelings, you're offending somebody. My wine bladder is empty. That's offensive. That was offensive yesterday as we were talking about wine bladders, I will admit. (laughs) uh, Okay, not offensive. Mm -hmm. A tad uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Any talk Uh, about it? A tad squeamish. Hey, these older guys on the radio don't want to talk about bladders. They say it's uncomfortable. <laughs> we were talking about boxed wines yeah. that are actually in bladders. Yes. So we got into bladder wine talk. Yes. And by the way, we are not like Joe Rogan high on mushrooms on the show. I can't I can't read the I can't read the year on the bladder. You saw that Rogan opened up his comedy club mm. where he said is you know yeah. basically it's this is a free speech place and he's up on yeah. stage saying i'm higher than i've ever been on mushrooms <laughs> like, uh, something you will never hear me say publicly <laughs> by the way i'm offended by that put yeah. that in put that in the <laughs> yeah that's right the mushroom community wants to talk to you um the <laughs> the um uh the the stand-up scene in austin is exploding uh it's you could probably go down there and spend a week and see, you know, every night see uh, a, a number of different comics up the, the, down there. But um, I look, uh, what's offensive? You know, you shouldn't be able to draw a line. Uh, it's if if I'm offended by the lawmakers who wrote this bill, then they have to go on the list in the database. Yep, eight six six ninety red eye. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, Coming up following the top of the hour, Visa and MasterCard have backed off their plans mm. to track gun purchases. Yeah, it's a smart move. Yeah. I don't know why you even float that idea. Because even though you back off, that's still going to leave a bad taste in the mouth of many people who practice their Second Amendment right. Yep. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Download our Red Eye Radio app today, and you can listen when and where you want. And thank you. Well, there it is. Uh, Washington Post had it. Uh, DeSantis indicates privately he intends to run uh, in 2024. All right. A super PAC that seeks to draft DeSantis into the race uh, launched Thursday and is likely to serve as an approved outside spending vehicle for his campaign. Three people familiar with the planning said, and DeSantis will visit the early nominating states of Iowa on Friday, Nevada on Saturday as he tours the country promoting his memoir. Mm. Uh, the uh, public and private movements underline how far along DeSantis and his allies are in preparation for the 2024 campaign, even as a Florida governor has not said publicly he will enter the uh, uh, the race. Mm. He still uh, do not expect him to announce until after the Florida State Legislature session ends in May. Okay. So there you go. All right. In recent conversations, he described his presidential plans without any caveats that would suggest he is still deciding, according to two people familiar with his comments, who, uh, like others interviewed for this story, spoke on condition of anonymity to share private remarks. Yeah, so. all right. Will be interesting. It'll be, uh, it'll, yeah. it'll be a real interesting primary season. Now, when will he announce? You know, uh, I don't know. And you know, I you you think about it. I mean, you've got you you would have Trump. Mm. Uh, Ramaswamy, mm-hmm. uh, you would have uh, Nikki Haley, mm-hmm. and DeSantis. Mm-hmm. And probably Kasich. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, is Pompeo, is Pompeo actually going to get in? I, th- I think he is. If he's not... <laughs> okay, this just hit me. As I was about to say it, it was actually hitting me. If he's not going to run then his Twitter posts seem really odd. <laughs> because, look, um, because they, it, it just looks like he's in almost Hollywood campaign mode. 
right? Like out of a movie, right? Uh, last I looked, he's got a, you know, a really great picture of his family and, and the whole thing. And uh, everything that he's posting about, it, it's all about um, issues and, and, and mostly uh, geopolitical stuff. But, and of course, I think the weight loss was a, a big part of it. I think he's wanted to run for a long time. Uh, the question would be, how crowded does the field get? Pence is in. So then you look at where the energy is. Well, it really comes down to two. Trump and DeSantis. I mean, that's where the energy is. It's interesting. So I'm reading the, I'm, I'm reading Peggy Noonan's column about uh, DeSantis's definitely running and then she has he presents himself as a serious forward-leaning pro-business anti-woke conservative republican Mm -hmm. and then they have she has here uh mr desantis is a big dog and uh it isn't only donald trump trying to take him down a prospective competitor called recently to share his thoughts now who would this be all right you ready for this okay desantis is a cheap imitation of trump it's Fox News sound bites and cowboy boots with two-inch heels. Others uh, retail the gossip that he's on the spectrum, whatever that means. I quote, and, and this is what uh, the, this person said: "I don't think normal people uh, have more than an impression—a blank face sitting behind a square desk signing bills. He is often uh, often he is surrounded sometimes oddly by grade school children." You imagine one of the eight-year-olds announcing somberly to the press, we agree, we're too young to hear about gender fluidity. That's how he's, mm-hmm. that's how this person wrote it. And this is a prospective competitor. Now, that's clearly Mike Pence. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Pence, Breaking Bad. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, please be Mike Pence. Oh, please my. be the new, the all new, new Mike Pence. The new Mike Pence. Yeah, he's gonna walk down a ramp with loud rock and roll music, fog coming out everywhere. He's in a big arena. He's announcing, "Ooh yeah!" <laughs> oh, I want that to be Mike Pence so bad. Uh. If it's not and, John Bolton, then I'm guessing it's Donald Trump. And and then, I, but I just I, who 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 is that prospective competitor? Mm-hmm. If it's not Mike Mike, if, if did I say well, Michael Bolton? Unless if it's Bi- not John Bolton, well, then it's it's well, it's Trump. Well, unless it's unless it's not anybody from the Republican side, uh-huh. unless it's Biden, <laughs> unless it's Harris who said that. Harris, it, no, it could be it totally could be Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was Marianne Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, but uh, it's and, Hillary, and then and then she's right. Then then uh, Peggy Noonan writes, he's tough, unadorned, and carries a vibe. As I've said, that he might unplug your life support to recharge his cell phone. What the hell does that mean? I'm, and where does that even come from? I have no idea. His supporters shrug. He's and not- by the way, how low is his battery on his cell phone? 
His supporters shrug. He's not warm and cuddly. I don't think voters are looking for warm and cuddly, but they do want even keeled. A normal man or woman who's a leader, who's got guts and vision uh, of where the country wants to go. He'll as unplug I, uh, your life support yeah, to charge his cell phone. Give me a break. As I watched the Reagan uh, uh, speech, uh, library speech, I thought this candidacy is going to have power. He wasn't inspired or eloquent, but plain spoken and brisk. His address was workmanlike from notes, but it's all packed. It's all together. It packed a punch. Governors, he observed in his book, The Courage to Be Free, have to deliver. It's an executive office. They create a record, and you can measure what they did. Legislators merely have to talk and vote on congenial bills. It's hard to measure their effectiveness. They are not required to lead. In the library speech, he pointed to his achievements, a strong state economy, Florida's unemployment rate 3.5% when he took office, and in December 2022, after the pandemic, it's 2.5%, a good state balance sheet, a uh, generally light uh, pro-individual freedom hand on COVID. He got the schools open. His state is uh, one people are moving into, not out of. He is a culture warrior, but between the lines, he suggests he's also pragmatic, practical, and gets things done. This may be his real superpower when during Hurricane Ian, the bridge to Pine Island was washed away. The state had it up and operating a week later. That wasn't talk. It was knowing the innards of government and making it deliver. All right. I don't think he's running as Trump without the psychopathology. I think he's running as a serious, forward-leaning, pro-business, anti-woke conservative with populist inflections. His strategy now draws much from the Trump quadrant as possible, slowly try to leech him of support. One thing about Trump supporters is you win their respect if you speak of things in a no-going-back way. When Mr. Trump in his 2015 announcement spoke of illegal immigrants as rapists and drug smugglers, uh, those giving him a hearing didn't roar because they literally think all illegal immigrants are rapists and drug smugglers. They roared because they knew there was no going back from language like that. It meant he really would try to control the border. The focus, I'm just, I'm reading directly from Peggy Noonan, by the way. Mm-hmm. The focus on wokeness is Mr. DeSantis's illegal immigration. He wants to only issue in a Republican field, and as the year gets deeper, move on from there. A political veteran present before and after the library speech found Mr. DeSantis impressive, but saw a weakness. He's on broadcast almost all the time, not receive. He likes to talk. He makes eye contact. There's back and forth, but my sense is that he's thinking about what he's next going to tell you, not what you're going to ask. Still, in the end, the veteran sends something electric. You know that feeling you get when you're uh, when you're in a room, and it's obvious to every person in that room, from ten people to fifty thousand people, that no kidding, this guy could really got could, could be the president. He's got it. So there mm-hmm. you go, and. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, when, when Trump spoke, said about the illegal immigrants, I knew exactly what he was saying. Of course. You know, he wasn't calling all rapists and drug smugglers, illegal immigrants. That's how it was portrayed. Mm. Uh, and I do think that 
They Look, wasn't calling immigrants, all immigrants, yeah, illegal uh, 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 rapists, rapists and, and drug smugglers. And dr- right. drug smugglers. Right. Um, the thing, you know, the thing about Trump, as we said, people, you know, he n- number one, um, he'd been around for a while promoting a variety of issues, but his uh, economic, his economic populism, which turned into, because this is the one thing that people don't like to admit, but we've said it bluntly. <laughs> He didn't end NAFTA. Mm-hmm. He he changed the name of NAFTA. Ninety nine percent of USMCA is NAFTA, mm-hmm. but he framed it that he was going to change it, and that was enough mm-hmm. uh, on um, issues of the border because the border was the border was his issue, and e- economics you know was his issue. There were things we think he did right. Um, when he brought, uh, what's his name from CNBC and when he brought, you know, initially he was very economically populist and then he brought in more, more capitalist, uh, Cudlow. Cudlow, when he brought in Cudlow, when he brought in Steve Moore at that point, you said, okay, he's willing to hear. And that's all I cared about. Is he willing to hear, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. certain things? Sure. And again, he promoted what he did in an extremely populist way, but, most of most of USMCA was just NAFTA updated for the technology of today. There were a couple of things that he did, but those things that we did, I believe, helped to damage building American cars in North America, as you and I talked about uh, already. Mm. But for the most part, it really didn't have much an effect, and that was that was okay. And uh, but the border was was his uh, running government like a business. Hiring the right people. Now, some of those he can't use again. I'm I'm guessing yeah. Jeff Sessions is a no. <laughs> yeah, well, well, he can't. For example, he can't say I hire the right people because the vast majority of people that work for him at a high level now are against him. Not all, you know, Richard Grinnell, for example, people mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But most, no, they they would they would run against him. They would not wish him to uh, to uh, to win again. Uh, but he was viewed, when you take it overall, I'm getting into the minutia, overall he was viewed as somebody who will get things done. And my dad said this to me, a lo- he said, you know, one of these cycles you're going to have, you know, you're going to have somebody, the American public say, we need somebody who can get it done. Is DeSantis that person that they would choose? There is not a Democrat, everybody knows, I mean, that's why Biden's numbers are as low as they are. Mm-hmm. And on the issues, everybody knows not only did can he not solve the problems, he caused them. Yeah. And so is this what America's – and I don't know if this is what America's looking for. That's the question. If that's the perception – because that's the perception that I get from him is he, get things done, he gets things done. And I agree. I have no idea what she was talking about where – would turn the life support off to charge yeah, his cell phone. That, that, that I don't that's know, weird. That I don't understand. That was just a weird – you and I, you and I both made, uh, made it almost an appointment during Hurricane Ian to watch him. Yeah, you no, know, I was, I, I, I was actually, <clears throat> in fact, proactively seeking out some of the uh, the videos posted by because I obviously can't watch local media 
uh, from Florida. But what you can do is because they all have a YouTube channel, you can go and you can watch their reports. Yep. And when you watch their reports, there were I don't know how many that either referred to him or included him in the daily briefings and everything else. And there was there was no pushback. You had a couple of people, you know, MSNBC and 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 the usual suspects uh, that that you know just kind of scoffed, but there was no real legitimate criticism of him at all on handling that hurricane. Uh, no, and then after the, the the press conferences were impressive, but then you're like, okay, what is tangible that you can actually see? Because most of it you can't see. Mm-hmm. Now you did see the after it hit, there were a lot of people on the street saying, oh, "Man, the the people are here already." Mm-hmm. You know, the crews are here already fixing the lines and everything right. else. But it really, and she does make a great point about that bridge. Once that bridge was together in a week. Mm-hmm. That was unprecedented, and that that got a lot of publicity, and then everybody shut up. Yep. There wasn't any criticism, really, of, of DeSantis. It was right. like even liberal networks knew it was a time to move on. But it's really what the people of the United States are looking for in this election, and I can't tell you I know what I, know what I want, <laughs> mm-hmm. but no one will give me what I want because the executive branch can't move that quickly. I don't care who it is right. uh, you know, uh, in there, but I know what I want legislatively you know who's going to end up being that 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 person that convinces republicans by the time this is well it won't be over yet it'll be a year year and what three months from now probably mm. we'll probably know or a year and two months yeah yeah by may we'll probably know right you'll have an idea yeah yeah the numbers by, are, yeah may, it'll be year. uh yeah the, the inevitable uh, yeah I, I don't i don't Honestly, know what the Republican Party wants. There's too many factions of the Republican Party, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I don't know if they'll move on. If Trump gets indicted, you know, there's that story out that the grand jury in New York yeah. invited him, yeah. and that means that you're near the end. And and I don't know. You saw some saying, well, this because they invited him voluntarily, it means they're giving him a chance, and so they're probably going to indict him on something. Mm. I don't know whether that's true or not. I don't yeah. know. But if he gets indicted, does, does that boost him again? Is he viewed then as a as a victim of of deep state? Mm. I don't know. Right. Does it make people say, "Okay, he's yeah, he's a victim. He got screwed over because he did. Mm-hmm. He got there's no way you can look at the first three years and the Mueller investigation, everything that was false. It was all created by the Hillary campaign. There's no way you can't say he didn't get screwed over, right? But will that make a difference? Eight six six ninety red eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. Drivers should be familiar with how their actions affect their motor carrier's compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA score, in the seven basic categories. The driver fitness score is based on the physical and medical qualifications of drivers. The vehicle maintenance category requires drivers to know how to inspect CMVs and secure cargo. Hours of service compliance relies on drivers keeping accurate records of duty and abiding by hours of service limits. The unsafe driving category is affected by unsafe driving behaviors such as failing to wear a seatbelt or obey traffic laws. Drivers should understand the drug and alcohol prohibitions to prevent hurting their carrier's controlled substances and alcohol basic score. And drivers who transport hazmat must know how to safely transport hazardous materials according to the regulations. The final basic category, crash prevention, 
is based on how many crashes a motor carrier has been involved in, so drivers must know how to drive safely to avoid crashes. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Get a word in edgewise. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Harley. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Well, uh, it was fascinating yesterday. We played some audio throughout the show. I want to play uh, more here uh, from the House Subcommittee on the wep- Weaponization of the Federal Government. And they had a Twitter files hearing yesterday, and they had Matt uh, Taibbi, uh, who was the first of the reporters uh, to uh, publish anything from the Twitter files. And also Michael Schellenberger was there. He was also uh, uh, he was also part uh, of it. They mm. had those two reporters. Yeah. It was pretty amazing seeing the Democrats finally forced to confront this because they've never been forced to confront it. Right. They had to do right. something. Right. You know, they've never been forced to do it, and they wouldn't voluntarily go near it. Maybe a couple little shots here and there, but it wasn't effective. And when you saw the polling of the American public, the polling believes, uh, you know, the, the public believes, not the polling, but the public believes uh, that Twitter was biased and that government helped to influence it. Yeah. Right. And and so watching the Democrats was pretty hilarious, even from the beginning when uh, uh, the uh, representative Bob Plaskett, the ranking member for the Democrats, actually, you know, called them so so-called journalists. Yeah, yeah. And so I wanted to play the opening remarks since he was the beginning. He started it all, and he got the initial criticism. Matt Taibbi, uh yesterday in front of the House Subcommittee uh, on the Weaponization of Government. Uh, Chairman. Hit that, um, hit that, hit Matt, uh, okay, Mr. Tybee, hit that. Um, uh. Chairman Jordan, Ranking Member Plaskett, members of the Select Committee, thank you for having me today. My name is Matt Taibbi. I've been a reporter for 30 years uh, and a staunch advocate of the First Amendment. Much of that time was spent at Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, Ranking Member Plaskett, um, I'm not a so-called journalist. Uh, I've won the National Magazine Award, the IF Stone Award for Independent Journalism, and I've written 10 books, including four New York Times, New York Times bestsellers. <laughs> uh, I'm now the editor of the online magazine Racket on the independent platform Substack. I'm here today because of a series of events that began late last year when I received a note from a source online. It read, are you interested in doing a deep dive into what censorship and manipulation was going on at Twitter? A week later, the first of what became known as the Twitter Files reports came out. To say these attracted intense public interest would be an understatement. My computer looked like a Vegas slot machine uh, as just the first tweet about the blockage of the Hunter Biden laptop story 
registered 143 million impressions and 30 million engagements. But it wasn't until a week after the first report, after Michael Schellenberger, Barry Weiss, and other researchers joined the search of the files, that we started to grasp the significance of this story. The original promise of the Internet was that it might democratize the exchange of information globally. A free Internet would overwhelm all attempts to control information flow, its very existence a threat to anti-democratic forms of government everywhere. What we found in the files was a sweeping effort to reverse that promise and use machine learning and other tools to turn the Internet into an instrument of censorship and social control. Unfortunately, our own government appears to be playing a lead role. We saw the first hints in communications between Twitter executives before the 2020 election when we read things like flagged by DHS or please see attached report from FBI for potential misinformation. This would be attached to an Excel spreadsheet with a long list of names whose accounts were often suspended shortly after. Again, Ranking Member Plaskett, I would note that the evidence of Twitter government relationship includes lists of tens of thousands of names on both the left and right. The people affected include Trump supporters, but also left-leaning sites like Consortium and Truthout, the leftist South American channel Telesur, the Yellow Vest movement. That, in fact, is a key point of the Twitter files, that it's neither a left nor right issue. Following the trail of communications between Twitter and the federal government across tens of thousands of emails led to a series of revelations. Mr. Chairman, we summarized and submitted them to the committee in the form of a new Twitter file thread, which was also released to the public this morning. We learned Twitter, Facebook, Google, and other companies developed a formal system for taking in moderation requests from every corner of government, from the FBI, the DHS, the HHS, DOD, the Global Engagement Center at State, even the CIA. For every government agency scanning Twitter, there were perhaps 20 quasi-private entities doing the same thing, including Stanford's Election Integrity Partnership, NewsGuard, the Global Disinformation Index, and many others, many taxpayer-funded. A focus of this fast-growing network, as Mike noted, is making lists of people whose opinions, beliefs, associations, or sympathies are deemed misinformation, disinformation, or malinformation. That last term is just a euphemism for true but inconvenient. Undeniably, (laughs) the making of such lists is a form of digital McCarthyism. Ordinary Americans are not just being reported to Twitter for deamplification or deplatforming, but the firms like PayPal, digital advertisers like Xander, and crowdfunding sites like GoFundMe. These companies can and do refuse service to law-abiding people and, and businesses whose only crime is falling afoul of a distant, faceless, unaccountable, algorithmic judge. As someone who grew up a traditional ACLU liberal, this mechanism for punishment and deprivation without due process is horrifying. Another troubling aspect is the role of the press, which should be the people's last line of defense in such cases. But instead of investigating these groups, journalists partnered with them. If Twitter declined to remove an account right away, government agencies and NGOs would call reporters for the New York Times, Washington Post, and other outlets, who in turn would call Twitter, demanding to know why action had not yet been taken. Effectively, news media became an arm of a state-sponsored thought policing system. I'm running out of time, so I'll just sum up and say um, 
it's just not possible to instantly arrive at truth. It is, it is however, possible becoming uh, technologically uh, possible to instantly define and enforce a political consensus online, which I believe is what we're looking at. This is a grave threat to people of all pers- political persuasions. Uh, the First Amendment, an American population accustomed to the right to speak, is the best defense left against the censorship industrial complex. If the latter can knock over our first and most important constitutional guarantee, these groups will have no serious opponent left anywhere. If there's anything the Twitter files show, it's that we're in danger of losing this most precious right without which all democratic rights are impossible. Uh, that was his opening statement yesterday. The response from the, the, the Democrats, what did they attack? And, you know, we, we remember when, um, uh, it came out that the advisors for Hunter Biden said, we're going to go after, we're going to go after everybody. We're going to mm. destroy their reputations. You know, we're, and, and remember that came out publicly mm-hmm. and, and that was, was like people went, well, that's a real bad move that you're making there. Yeah. Well, it's exactly what the Democrats did yesterday. The Democrats, and because it would be there were there were so it was so long. We we just don't have, we don't have the time in five hours to play everything that needed <laughs> that you know that that yeah. you would that you would want to hear. Uh, most of it you can find on on YouTube if you actually do the searching for right, it. You right. can find it. But uh, they tried to portray uh, Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger as. Stooges of Trump mm-hmm. was really amazing to the point where Jim Jordan had to cut in and go, excuse me, are you Trump supporters? No, no. Who did you vote for? Biden, Biden. You know, yeah. and as you heard yeah. Matt Tabby there, he is a traditional ACL, ACLU liberal. And the traditional, maybe not the modern, mm. but the old school ACLU, certainly not the modern ACLU, used to be for freedom of speech. They, they're they not now, but that's the point he was trying to make, that he that's what he was, a traditional uh, liberal in, in that uh, sense. They also tried to use the money angle. You did mm. this to get rich. Yeah, right. And he said, well, I don't know what you're talking about because everything has come out of our pockets. Nobody paid for anything. Their transportation to look at the to you know to go to Twitter and look at these files. The transportation, uh, hotels, uh, staff, yep. everything came out of their pocket. Nobody paid for anything here. And then the uh, insinuation was, well, you'll get rich in the future about this because you can write a book. So they attempted to attack that. So they yeah, attempted yeah. to say. That you know, basically, they were Trump stooges. They did it for the 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 money. When that really didn't work, uh, well, then they uh, would ask questions, you know, for a yes and no answer, mm-hmm. and then make a complete you know statement and accusation against Taibbi or Schellenberger, and then I'm out of time. There's no time for you to respond. Yeah. And so there were, you know, some unanswered questions that you would like to see answered. And then they went after Taibi because they said, you know, who's your source? Right. Yeah. Because he said, you know, I do have a source in this. The initial source had contacted him is a source. And they said, well, 
was it Elon Musk? And he said, well, it, I'm not going to discuss my sources. Well, if it's not, if you're, if, if, uh, you're, you're not, you're saying it wasn't Elon Musk or was Elon Musk, then we're going to assume that it was Elon Musk. And right. it was like, yeah. what? Yeah. Well, then you, you do whatever you want to do. And she goes, well, then what was the time? When, when did you get this? He goes, no, I'm not going to tell you that because that goes directly to the source. Right. Well, no, it's a chronology, which leads to the source. So we're not going to do it. Right. And Jim Jordan was like, my God, can you believe this? These are Democrats trying to get a reporter. Democrats who for how long have been promoting the fact that no, reporters should never be forced to release their sources. And here are the Democrats just screaming and pounding trying to find out Matt Taibbi's sources. It was just, it was, it was a zoo. I mean, it was well, really, it really interesting was. watching. And, 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 and look back at the Trump years where Trump, you know, talked to, talked about the enemy, uh, talked about the media being the enemy and then the media just went on forever. Yep. You, you can't do that. You can't do that. We'll be targeted if you do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. But where were the liberals screaming yesterday that you can't go after these journalists here the way they were and, pressuring them and insisting on them giving up their sources where was that i didn't see that anywhere the liberals were mia yeah yeah it's a the fascists were out yeah the liberals were the the, the traditional liberals weren't there no doubt but it was it was amazing to watch and knowing you know that these are these are liberals and Jim Jordan said it. He said, I said it at the beginning of all of this. He goes, I, and he said, I said it last week. Doesn't matter whether you're liberal. If yeah. you don't buy, but they're not, they're, again, the old liberal is not what the new liberal is today. That's insane. You and I were talking about the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the no labels party or the forward party. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, the new, the, uh, the no labels party, <laughs> which is a label, by the way, yeah. uh, as you, as you, uh, observed. Yeah, <laughs> the the fact is they're a, they're a Democratic Party, is what they are. I mean, right. they were formed by Democrats, formed by liberals, but they believe there's a little in because they're not insane liberals, and so that's why the Democrats were afraid of the No Labels Party. You don't hear the Republican Party say anything about it because they're like, oh no, they're going to try to whittle off some of Democrats out there who won't vote Republican, and that could make us lose the 2024 uh, election. But there are liberals out there, not a lot, but there are liberals out there that still believe in freedom of the speech. And mm-hmm. you've seen them. You've seen it. Matt, Matt Taibbi, uh, Michael Schellenberger. And Schellenberger, by the way, has been one of the leaders. He believes, just like Bjorn Lumberg, that climate change is happening and man has some kind of an influence. Mm-hmm. But he believes that everything that the left is doing in this country is completely wrong, counterproductive, and puts this country in uh, economic, energy, and national security suicide. I'll use my terms, but that's basically what he believes. And they're selling you a bill of goods. So they're really liberals who are looking for the truth, and they're not denying science. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690. Uh, Red Eye, coming up, we will hear from uh, the other witness yesterday, Michael Schellenberger, because mm. he had some interesting things to uh, say. Also, Fauci was on, really didn't get asked, I, I, I don't believe, the tough questions that he should have by uh, uh, Brett Berry yesterday, but mm. says that uh, uh, he did not. He denies excluding uh, uh, Robert Redfeld, or excuse me, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Robert Redfeld, the former CDC director, uh, that he didn't exclude him mm. from the panel making decisions. Redfield says he did. is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? (laughs) (laughs) In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen.